0: And this is the Love the Cove podcast, where we'll be diving into covenant history and exploring what makes the Evangelical Covenant Church covenant as we move toward our future together as mission friends. Hi, friends. It's Jane here. In this episode, Kathy and I sat down with Mary Chung March, a covenant minister who currently serves as the president of the Covenant Asian Pastors Association and the president of the Mosaic Commission. Mary outlines our history of becoming a multi-ethnic mosaic, growing from our roots as a Swedish immigrant church. But first, we're going to hear from Steve Wong, pastor of the first Asian-American church plant in the ECC, as he reflects on his journey into the covenant, how he has seen the denomination change and our call to continue to becoming the beloved community.
1: I'm Steve Wong. I'm the lead pastor of Grace Community Covenant Church here in Silicon Valley. We're the first Asian American church plants in the covenant. I was on the church staff of a large Chinese church in San Jose, and my wife and I sensed God calling us to plant a church for Asian Americans here in Silicon Valley. I'd become acquainted with Pastor Jim Gatterlin at a prayer retreat for pastors locally. Jim was a good friend. I miss him a great deal. Many of us do. Uh, Later, I saw him at a training seminar for the Billy Graham Crusade that was coming to our area in the summer. And I talked to him for a bit, told him I uh, intended to plant a church. And so he gave me his card and said, hey, let's talk about it. Well, I didn't receive approval for my denomination to go ahead and plant the church, even though I thought it was a slam dunk. Apparently, other people didn't. And so I was sitting at my desk, um, praying and asking God, what do I do now? And I saw Jim's card on my desk. And believe it or not, right at that moment, he called me. And what he said to me was, Steve, God wants you to become a covenant pastor. Now, why did he say that? It's because he'd gone to the annual meeting that year, and he had met Greg Yi and Peter Cha, and as part of Parkwood Community Church, they had decided to be adopted into the covenant so what were the chances that Greg Yee, who grew up in the Bay Area, might know Steve Wong, his friend also in the Bay Area? And so that's why he thought, well, maybe I'll say something funny, but he didn't know that Greg and I had actually grown up in the same church. And so when he called me, he wanted to let me know that uh, you know, he'd met my friend, Greg Yee. Well, he connected me to the PSWC office, Dave Olson, who was church planning director at the time, invited me to a church planners training conference in San Diego. My wife and I went to the conference, and we really liked what the Covenant stood for—biblically based, missional, concerned with mercy and justice, etc. So we came back and told our core team that had just started to meet uh, that we wanted to join the Covenant, and so they approved that. And we were sent then to a church planners assessment. And I, we were uh, approved to, given the green light to go ahead and plant the church, I signed the covenant agreement, and as I say, the rest is history. Well, that was history that was over 24 years ago, and uh, the covenant has changed a lot in that time. Uh, somebody recommended I take a look at the Wikipedia entry on the covenant, and it says the covenant is one of the most rapidly growing and multi-ethnic denominations on the continent. Uh I know maybe somebody from Marcom got into that wording there. But it's true, the covenant has grown. Uh, We've grown because of this emphasis on outreach and church planting. Uh, One of the things that I found was that the covenant saw church planting not as an expense, but as an investment. Other denominations that I went to, their first question was, well, how will you pay for it? But the covenant asked, how much do you need? And the covenant has also grown, I think, because we want to be more multi-ethnic. Back in 1997, 98, there was only the African-American Ministers Association, the AAMA. I remember Greg Yee at uh, one of the midwinters that I first went to rounding up all the Asian-American pastors for dinner. Uh, We all fit into one minivan. (laughs) Now, we have not only the AMA, we also have Alipay, we have the Indigenous Ministers Association, we have Kappa, the Covenant Asian Pastors Association. If you look at our Kappa Facebook, it shows about 60 people who had dinner together at 2022 midwinter just a few months ago. That's eight minivans worth. And that's only about half of the number who went to the earlier dinner in 2020, the last time before the pandemic, when we could meet And uh, there were more like 120 of us there. Well, another reason that we've grown, I think, is because of our ethos, the four, as Gary Walter likes to say, the four owls, evangelical, biblical, congregational, traditional. Um, Evangelical, but not exclusive. We keep the main thing, the main thing. Biblical, but not doctrinaire. Uh, You know, where is it written? If you can argue your point from scripture, I may disagree with you, but... Uh, let's stay in fellowship. Let's let's keep the dialogue open because that's not the main thing. We're congregational, but not independent. Uh, one of the things that we were looking for uh, as a church plant was collegiality. I'd been part of an independent uh, church before. I didn't want to have that. I I wanted accountability. I wanted support. I wanted uh, other pastors and and other uh, local churches uh, to connect with. And we were, we we are traditional, but not rigid. And I have to say, I love tradition. That was one of the things that really drew me to the covenant. I remember that first midwinter walking in and seeing the commissioned artwork behind the altar and on the altar, symbols of our Christian faith. And I thought, wow, this is my kind of denomination. But the covenant's also innovative. We're, uh, we're traditional, but not rigid. We're innovative in bringing the gospel to a changing world. Uh, when I first came in, we had you know, essentially one model for church planting. Now, Paul Assard tells me we have nine. Um, We're using uh, innovative means to train clergy like Ignite or uh, to reach out uh, to those who might not otherwise receive theological education, like through the School of Restorative Arts. So we've made some real strides towards being more multicultural. But I have to say it's also hard work and it's also uncomfortable. Uh, In the words of Welcome to the Lord's Table in the Book of Worship from 2003, it says, friends, this is the joyful feast of the people of God. Many will come from east and west and from north and south and sit at table in the kingdom of God. Now that sounds wonderful. But then we're exhorted, come to the sacred table, not because you must, but because you may. Come to testify not that you are strong, but because you are weak, not because you have any claim on the grace of God, but because you need God's mercy and help. Come not to to express an opinion, but to seek God's presence and pray for the Spirit. Well, why do we need words like this? because our tendency is to be self-righteous, to put on this veneer of strength, to feel entitled to God's grace, to be opinionated. And the more cultures, you know, the more new ways of doing things you bring together, the more opinions you bring together, the more conflict there's going to be. And so that's why I'm glad for the Sixfold Test for Multi-Ethnic Ministry. It's not a model of perfection as if, you know, do this and you've arrived. Really, it outlines a path. And if you want to take that metaphor further, the path is rocky. It has a lot of big elevation changes. There are obstacles. There are switchbacks. Uh, I remember the first couple journey to, journey to mosaic, uh, journeys to mosaic, yes, that's a plural, uh, that we put on in uh, the PSWC. And I brought some of my leaders from our church. And they didn't want to hear, some of them didn't want to hear the challenging stories. They didn't want to relive their own traumas. They just wanted to be comfortable and be with people who made them feel comfortable. I've heard people say that about our church. You know, I like your church because you have such nice people. Well, maybe that's a problem. Um, Maybe we need more not so nice people. And so as a result, we're still mostly Asian American. We're not as multicultural as we could be. And maybe that's a reflection of me, too. I mean, I'm not really an activist at heart. I don't like to rally people or push the envelope. But I do believe that God wants us to grow and that we can develop a capacity to live in harmony. And some of my background is in developmental psychology, and Eric Erickson has these uh, stages of psychosocial development, the seventh and eighth stages. Uh, The seven stages of generativity with the uh, virtue of care and the eighth stages of integrity with the virtue of wisdom. Well, what does that mean? Well, biblically, it means that we grow, we're generative when we love others, when we care for others. Uh, And then an integrated life, a life that makes sense, leads to joy and peace that we can and should pass on to other people. That's integrity and wisdom. And we want to be a community uh, in our local church and in the covenant at large, in the covenant church uh, that exemplifies these fruit of the spirit, love and joy and peace. And that's what it means to become the beloved community. The path isn't easy. The six-fold test is hard to apply. I mean, we just had to revise it. It was a five-fold test. Now we've had to add a six because we realized we weren't committing ourselves enough to that work. But I'm so glad that I've been able to be on this journey with all of you. And I'm looking forward to another 25 years of journeying together.
2: So Mary, thank you for joining us on Love the Cove. We're so excited to have you here. Can you introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Just tell us us who you are, and can you tell us how you came into the covenant? What's your covenant story? Yeah. um, Well, first, thanks for
3: having me on this um, prestigious podcast. It's really good to be here with you. Uh, My name is Mary Chung March. I'm a second-generation Korean-American ordained covenant pastor. Um, I serve right now as the president of the Covenant Asian Pastor Association, the president of the Mosaic Ethnic Commission. Um, In 2003, I came into the Covenant because my husband, John, and I were working at a High Rock church in the Boston area. We were co-college pastors there. Um, And my call to ministry came from probably when I was younger because my parents were both church planners and pastors in a different denomination. and. I really got to see what um, co-pastoring looked like. I got to see what it was like to be um, an Asian-American woman ordained lead pastor as my mom led. Um, And so also before coming to the covenant, I was serving in a number of other denominations as a youth pastor, a children's pastor, an organist. and when I got to the covenant, the short version of the story is it was because of my husband, I came to High Rock and I'm so grateful. But when I learned about the covenant, I felt like, wow, I was born covenant and I didn't even know it. Um, I felt like I find a, found a home, uh, a denomination that saw me and affirmed me as a Korean American woman pastor and leader. And so that was back in 2003. Um, and... It is 2022.
0: So this episode, we're focusing on our identity as the multi-ethnic mosaic. Uh, We've been talking about our Swedish immigrant roots, and could you help us understand how our identity began to shift to include the wider mosaic?
3: Yeah, you know, I want to like pause on the Swedish immigrant roots because that is an important part of our story. Um, The story of how we became mission friends and now the Evangelical Covenant Church is so important. Um, that our story is an immigrant story and how that has allowed God to work amazingly in our denomination to make it what it is today. And so as our our forebears of the Evangelical Covenant Church came as immigrants, worked on farms as domestic servants, um, took root in the U.S. and um, grew out of a people who were on mission together around the Great Commission and Great Commandment um, The ECC was born, and um, probably going from that point, about a hundred years later, we started seeing um, the ECC started inviting um, different ethnic, multi-ethnic ethnic pastors into the covenant. And I think I want to make this point that um, the um, pastors of color were pursued by the covenant because their hearts, I think, were prepared in being the denomination that it was to open up their arms and to be intentional about including um, the full multi-ethnic kingdom of God. And um, in 1991, we know that Rodney King was badly beaten and it sparked um, such a reckoning of pain um, in communities of color. And the Covenant African-American leaders approached President Paul Larson at the 1992 annual meeting to ask if the Covenant knew how much their family was hurting. And that invitation from the Covenant um, began the conversation. Um, The Black Pastors Association was ratified in 1993. Um, In the the, um, early stages of Alipe, we had Latino churches in the chicago area in san francisco and california um, somewhere in the 70s and same thing with the korean association korean pastors association um, we have some asian american churches uh asian immigrant churches also in the 19 late 1970s through the 80s through the 90s and um Alipay back it was called mipay but now it's called Alipe, was formed in the mid-1990s And Kappa was formed in 2013, even though they were informally meeting. And um, all these groups were being invited to um, meet and to be um, seen and to be supported by the covenant. Um, I remember hearing about um, then President Glenn Palmberg preaching a catalyzing sermon at um, in the two years of celebrating ethnic diversity. that was in the 2000s, or it was uh, 2000, 99, 2000. And he preached that we cannot really move forward towards something of the most desperate people in the world without joining the fight for justice. Something happens when you imitate Christ. And his words continued this trajectory towards the creation of the fivefold test. Um, the Ethnic Commission began to form, not uh, formally at that point, but in groups that would gather to start this framework called the 5 fold Test. Um, in 2004, um, former President Gary Walter, uh, he was serving as Executive Minister of Church Growth and Evangelism, which is now Start and Strength in Churches, uh, penned a draft with Harold Spooner who was then the vice president of Covenant Ministry of Benevolence. I don't know if that happened later or right then at that point, Um, but because they were committed. They were committed to doing this together, committed to leaning in into what it means to be a multi-ethnic mosaic of churches. Um, And there was a symposium in Mundelein, Illinois, where key covenant leaders gathered together for a retreat to evaluate, to discuss, to process um, this framework, and what goals they wanted. Um, And so the fivefold test was born. And I I need to give a shout out to our elders, uh, those who were the trailblazers, um, whose shoulders we stand on. And if I were to name them, we'd be on this podcast for a really long time, both the known ones and the unknown ones. Um, And so the fivefold test has come out of decades of people giving um, their heart and voice and time and um, commitment to the Great Commission and Great Com- Commission, the Great Commission and the Great Commandment, um, converging on this um, point of ministering to multi-ethnic ministries and ethnic diversity. And you know that we added a six P: practicing solidarity. Um, in 2020, because there is a way that this can be a known thing, and then there's a way that it becomes a lived thing, to be more than a document, but a way that we walk with one another as as covenant family. That's the vision and hope of the sixth P, practicing solidarity, which was added under President John Winrich's
2: leadership. Can you name the six P's in that test for listeners that don't know it?
3: There are six P's in a six-fold test. And as a denomination, we want to be moving forward in engaging, number one, diverse populations. Two, with our participation in life together, more than just um, a, a being in the room of sense, but being at the table with one another, um, a full participation. Um, and three, in sharing our voices and power and being aware of it um, for, as we set out to be, pace-setting. And, you know, I listened to the the podcast with uh, Reverend Ephraim, and he was talking about how the covenant is pace-setting. It is one of the best positioned denominations about bringing the priestly and prophetic word. And I, I couldn't agree with him more um, and this this is settling around the fourth P of being a pace-setting pastor, being a pace-setting church, being a pace-setting conference, being a pace-setting denomination. Um, five is, how are we knitting together a purposeful narrative where we are including the stories of everyone we consider family? And it is not one story is more important than the other, but it is a purposeful whole narrative of the covenant, of the kingdom story, of the multi-ethnic kingdom reality that we're trying to live out here on Earth, as it will be in heaven, and um, the six B is practicing solidarity, um, and and solidarity. When when you say you're with me, I want it to be more than words. If possible, I would love for practicing solidarity to be a live solidarity, where I know without asking that you're standing in the gap with me and that you stand with me um, where I'm not left guessing.
2: What should we be doing with this test? How do we use it or what is our vision for how it can help us become a beloved community of the the multi-ethnic mosaic?
3: I think this test has to be more than a knowledge or something you do because you're supposed to. And it has to be something that is a heart level conviction, because you believe that this is part of God's call to our church to resemble the body of Christ. I think that in the midst of a lot of what's been happening over the past few years, where we are dealing with a tremendous amount of fear and confusion and chaos and crisis and division and otherizing based on not a full story, but what we assume to be true about each other. I think the sixfold test is an excellent framework to be asking, how are we showing the watching world how we love one another? How are we being God's kingdom here on earth, as it definitely will be in heaven. And and this is actually living out the great commission and the great commandment. Um, I, I know that some people have been asking me, like, could we talk a little bit more about evangelism? Um, and then also on the other side, I have people asking, um, can we talk a little bit more about Rishavakhi's reconciliation? And these th- two things are not at odds with each other. In fact, they come together around the biblical mandate that we've been giving. The, the 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 fact that God calls us to love one another, like we love ourselves, and I'm going to even say like we love our own family. Because I, I don't I don't know like if you ask me to do something for my own health, like exercise more, I'll say that sounds like a great idea, but I may or may not do it. If you ask me to do something for my child, for the welfare of my child. I will drop everything to do it for my child. And so I think I, I would love to kind of pivot that and say, how do we love one another? Like we love our own child or family member or sister or brother. I, I think we live out the six-fold test also as we stay at the table. Um, some of these conversations are so difficult in your families, in your churches, among pastors don't leave the table when it gets hard lean in ask the question how can I how can I hear your story or how how can you help me understand this better I think we are at a breaking point I think we're at a tipping point and I think it's really um, easier not to talk about stuff but I think we need to talk about stuff I think we need to talk about what we're afraid of I think we need to talk about um, Some of the hard points, but it's easier to do it if I know that you love me. And I bet it's easier for you if you know that I care about you and love you too. So there is some work we need to do around that, around repair. Um, But we need to be at the table together and commit to not leaving when it gets hard.
0: What are some hard conversations that we have had to have? And how have we leaned in or not leaned in?
3: I'll give you an example in terms of some of the anti-Asian hate that's been happening. I think for news stories to come across your phone, it is easy to see it and say, that sounds horrible. And that sounds awful. But there is a number, there's a degree of separation where it is a news story. Um, I have had conversations with people when they have heard my personal story that this is not removed. It's not just one isolated incident with, you know, one bad story, but when they have heard my experience as a green American woman here in the States, there's a click, there's a click of saying, I didn't realize that you, my sister have walked through this, um, and so there was a bringing of um, knowledge down to a heart level where um, they realized that if they spoke on, on behalf of Asian Americans and what they've been experiencing, they weren't just speaking for an amorphous group somewhere, that I was a part of that group. The, just this past Easter, actually before Easter, I got a text from uh, Pastor Kevin Farmer here in Minneapolis, Epiphany Covenant. And he said to me, our church would like to take up an offering, Easter offering, for uh, the ethnic associations and the Mosaic Commission. We have so appreciated the work you have done, and we want to support you and say we see you. And I vehemently said, please don't. It's okay. (laughs) Like there are so many needs in Minneapolis right now. You're a church plant. You know, I so receive the solidarity and the heart and the willingness to sacrifice, but I, I you don't have to do that. And um, at that point, I thought, okay, you know, that's that's where it was and that's where it would be. Um, but recently, um, you know, actually on that call, he might've said, I think we're going to still do it. But <laughs> um The church took an offering. And I recently got an email, all the ethnic association presidents got an email saying, we have um, taken up an offering and the heart of our church is such that we want to put our money where our mouth is. To show with our budget and resources that we are in this and that we are committed to solidarity and we have raised thousand dollars for each of the four ethnic associations and we would like to send it to you to say thank you to keep going and that we are with you and that helps me keep going that, that helps us continue this journey um, because this is a, a taxing this is taxing work It is hard work um, and hard work. Um, But this is where we've been called as a denomination. This is where we have been um, called to show what it looks like to lean in even when it's hard. Um, And that is my hope for us, whatever side you're coming from, And my prayer is that anything I said today wouldn't um, cause you to turn away. That is not my intention of wanting to push you away. But I am asking you to lean in because we need you. And we need to be in this together. And we need to do this hard work so that the watching world really would know that we are Christ's disciples and we love one another. And by our love, the world will know God's love.
2: I feel like you already, you maybe just said this, but um, is there a word that you sense God speaking to the covenant today?
3: There was a phrase recently in a group I was in, and it was a great starting phrase. It was, I could be wrong, but I want to understand better. I think that if we engage in those curious conversations, kind of like at Midwinter, there was the humble and curious conversation that Pastor Dave Swanson led with you know, the panel that was fantastic. If we could have more of those instead of assuming, um, I think that could go a long way. Um, I think that I need to also be willing to admit where I'm wrong like in my head, I have a list of things, of things I could confess and ask for forgiveness for, you know, and we all do. But if we could come into a posture and space like that first, um, if I knew that you were for me and I was for you, I mentioned this before. Um, I think there's two things I know that are true, that you and I, were brothers and sisters in Christ, and we, we have a lot in common, maybe more so than our differences, We're made in the image of God. We love Jesus. We all bleed, cry, and we want to be together, together in the kingdom of God one day. And so in light of that, I really want to encourage you kind of what the um, Love the Cud podcast with Harold Spooner talked about, that a founding father of pietism, August Herman Franke said, Christians live for God's glory and neighbor's good. How well do you know your neighbor and how well or often do you wish and live for their good? Um, We might not always get it right, but to say, I am on mission with you and I'll stay and I will keep trying even when it gets hard. When you see the coming in communities of color grieving, that you would just pause and give them space to lament and grieve. And that you might consider also, it's not just emotionalism for emotion's sake, it's actually real honest, deep pain, Um, because there is a real sense that could have been me, and that could have been my child. Um, and I don't say this to shame you. And if I have offended you in this podcast, I ask for your forgiveness. That is not where I'm coming from. Um, but I felt, I feel like it's it's important just to name that, um, that our pastors and communities of color in the covenant are, are hurting. And we ask for your prayers and we continue to ask for your solidarity.
2: Thank you, friends, for listening to this episode of the Love the Cove podcast. And if you'd like to share your story of when you became Covenant, send us an email at cove at org.